I want to I wanna start with one, one thought real quick. I don't ever want to assume, especially as we're going into a new season and a different group of people, I don't ever want to assume that every person in here is in the same place spiritually. Um, and as Amir said, I'm, regardless of where you are, whether you're in a place where you've been um, walking with God for years, whether you're kind of exploring this Christianity thing, wherever you are at, we're super pumped that you're here. Um, but I, like I said, I don't ever want to assume that, that everybody's in the same place. And so because of that, I want to make sure that, um, that I bring some clarity to that. Because I, you guys, I spent years, I grew up around the church. My parents were first-generation Christians. They raised us in church. Their entire goal in life was to raise kids who love God. But the reality is I, I spent so much time in the church, you guys, I was inoculated. I knew everything about God, but... I was still in control of my life for a long time. I was still calling the shots. I decided who I dated. I decided how that went. I decided what, what I studied in school. I decided how I lived my life. Everyone would have said he's a good Christian kid, and I was a good kid. But ultimately, I hadn't surrendered my life to Jesus for a long time. And I'll tell you, there's a few evidences that I could talk to you after about that are tremendous. And so with that, what I want to share with you guys tonight before I even get into this is just the idea that, number one, that what God is asking for is he's asking for all of you. He's asking for everything. I don't see anywhere in scripture that indicates that it's a, just a segment of your life. I don't see anywhere in scripture that indicates when, when you get confronted with the need, when you realize that you're separate from God and you come to him, that he's like, yeah, I'll take one day a week. He wants everything. And when you come before him open-handed and you offer him all that you are, the exchange of what he gives back in a new heart and a new mind and a transformed life is like nothing else. And so if you're in a place where that's not something you've ever done, I would encourage you tonight, before I even start with the, with the depth of where we're going, that please find somebody. Come talk with me after. Come talk with one of your leaders because the reality is I know dozens of people who have grown up around the church that when I ask them, hey, what's the gospel message? If I were to ask you what it takes to go to heaven, what would you tell me? Most of them cannot even explain really why Jesus came. And so that's a whole nother talk. But if you're in a place and you're like, I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure if I am still on the throne. Find somebody to talk with after that's a leader. Come talk with me because we'll go there. Because I just never want to assume that people have all done that. So, but tonight, everybody say tonight. Tonight we're going to have some fun. Um, because so often, this is what happens. So when we surrender our lives to Christ, there is generally, I believe, a pretty immediate transformation that begins to happen. We get excited. We encounter God for the first time. For the first time, it's like, I'm going to use the analogy a lot tonight of a well, but it's like we start digging, and we've been digging for a while, and then all of a sudden you hit water, and you get pretty excited, right? Because for the first time, you begin to see some results. You begin to see some fruit. You begin to encounter some change, and you get excited. And so, what happens a lot of times because of how we're wired and because of how our culture is, here's what happens. We dig until we hit water. We see water start filling up the well, and then we stop digging. And then what we, what we do often because of the great need is then somebody will come talk with us and we'll start pulling water out of there to give to a whole bunch of other people. We'll start irrigating other fields. We'll start pulling, because we've got some water coming up and we're excited about it. But often what happens is after, a, after the course of time, as you begin to take water out and you don't keep digging, you experience a drought or a dry time where that initial emotion wears off. And all of a sudden you don't have anything left to give. You come back to the well and it's empty. 
There's no water left. And so then you end up in the cycle of, well, then I guess I better get a shovel, start digging some more. And so you dig a little bit, you get a little more water and get refreshed. Immediately you grab your bucket and you start going out and doing, working hard, got stuff to do, got places to go, got people to take care of, got, and then you're dry again. And you're like, well, I guess I better go get the shovel. And, so, and we get in the cycle. I, and I don't know about you guys, but I've found myself in that place where I'm in a cycle of fatigue, exhaustion, discouragement. Okay, I got, spent time, got filled up, got some water. Okay, now I'm going to go do it all again. So how many of you, if you're honest, would say, I've been there. I've experienced that. Um, I think all of us in some ways that have been walking with God for any amount of time have found ourselves there. Um, And the fact is it happens in good conscience. It happens with good intentions. But the reality is is that what what it leads to, it leads to a cycle of dependence rather than a cycle of freedom. And so my desire for you guys tonight is that I can introduce you to some ideas and some power in the word of God to experience freedom that'll set you up to where you will be oaks of righteousness planted in the house of God and planted by streams to where you have no fear of drought. Or you have no fear of what circumstances can throw at you because you're, you know your roots go deep. And so that's, that's kind of where we're headed tonight. Um, so random fact with that, I love whiteboards. See, I told you it was random. Um, I love whiteboards. Why? Because I love to dream and I love the possibilities of a blank whiteboard. I love the solutions that can be written on there. I love the ideas that can be brainstormed. And I love how an idea comes to reality and then gets executed and lives get changed. That's why I love a whiteboard. So tonight I'm going to use a whiteboard. I don't know if everyone can see it, but part of it is just because I love them so much. Now, I'm going to give you a note. I'm a really, really poor artist. Of all the things that God gave to me, art was not one of them. The ability to take what's in your head and put it on paper or a whiteboard. No, it's not in me. So I'm going to repent and apologize on the the forehand for doing this, but I'm going to do it. So we're going to take a look at a well. That's my well. Can you tell? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's my well. This is well one. Thank you, everyone. It's very encouraging. This is well number one. Okay. Well number one. You ready? Here we go. This is well number two. These are different. I hope I'm not going too fast for you guys. (laughs) So this is well number two. The thing I want you to notice is that if you were standing here, so if this is the ground, if you're standing here, they look the same. So if I come up to a well, from the top, they all look the same. You guys, the the reason I believe that most of us don't spend more time digging is because it's the stuff that no one sees. And we live in a culture that's all about what's seen. We live in a culture that's all about what's on the outside and how it appears. And so I think that's why, because I'll get to the end, I'll give you the disclaimer. I'm not telling you not to serve. I'm not telling you not to be involved in ministry. But what I am saying is sometimes it's easy for us to default to the outward parts of walking with God because it's seen. And it's subtle. We don't do, we, none of us would ever say that. Hey, this is why I'm doing all these things so people could see me. But it reinforces that need for us to be seen and known. But the things that I'm going to talk about tonight are the things that, that cause us to dig deep that no one would ever see and that no one ever really even knows about until the drought comes. Because when the drought comes and there's still fresh water, 
and there's still life and there's still intimacy, people start going, that's different. There's something available there that's uncommon and it's not based on human strength, energy, or origin. There's something there that's, that I need. And so the reality is so much of what happens in terms of digging here is it's, it happens in the unseen. It doesn't happen necessarily in a worship service. It doesn't happen when you're serving. It doesn't happen. It happens alone. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. I um, hope you guys are impressed by my well. Uh, Jesus gives a great example of this. We are going to spend some good time in the Word tonight. Um, let's go to, let's spend some time in Luke. We're going to go to Luke 8. So if you've got a Bible, go hang out there. So in Luke 8, you guys, many of you have heard this parable. This is the parable of the sower. He's talking about different seed. He's talking about different soil. Um, the reality is that the seed is the same. It's the soil that's different. So let's read a little bit, and then we're going to talk through it. So verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, and those hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasure, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those, of, those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. So tonight, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what does it mean to hear the word, to retain it, and to produce a good crop. Because the reality is when you look at that parable, 75% of the seeds that went out didn't produce anything. Now, half of the seeds had all the appearance of having taken root. They had all the, all the appearance of what the seeds that produced fruit had at the beginning. So the seeds hit the ground, they sprout, they start coming up, they look healthy, everything looks the same. Going back to the well example. So in the beginning, everything looks the same. The difference, as Jesus is talking about, the difference between those that produce fruit and that don't, it's the depth of the well, it's the depth of the roots. It's how deep are we willing to dig? How, how, how far deep are we going to go with God so that we're rooted on something more established than ourselves. I mean, Paul talked about this, you guys. He talks about how, how one believer will come in and help lay a foundation for someone as they get saved, but then Paul will say, hey, then someone else has to come and build on that foundation. Like, it has to be built upon. You don't just get saved and start a foundation, and then you're good. 
I mean, think about if any of you have ever been around a house being built, what would happen if it was like, hey, we built the foundation, we're good, go ahead and move in now. There's no really anything else. There's no boards or plug-ins or outlets or anything. Or what if you even got the house built and you framed it out, but you didn't finish it? It still wouldn't be a home. And so the reality is so often we, we have this encounter with God. We make a decision to surrender our lives to Christ. We start the process, but then literally from that point, we stop developing and we start doing. And the reality is what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that we've got to do both. We do have to begin to walk out Jesus' steps. We do have to begin to love people. We do have to begin to serve, but we can't do it at the cost of our growing in God and, and the depth of where we have to go with the Holy Spirit. So when we hit water, when you have that moment, you encounter God, my challenge to you tonight is to keep digging. Don't stop. Don't stop and say, hey, we hit water, we're good. Because the fact is, when we're in seasons that the battle isn't raging, that's the time to be digging. You don't want to be the one picking up the shovel when everything starts getting bad. Because at that point, it's too late. You're already in the midst. You got to dig the foxhole before the battle starts. Because without that, you're going to have bullets flying and you're not going to be ready. And so my encouragement for you guys is that we start that tonight. That this summer, 2015, is a season of going deep. Um, I'm going to tell a quick story. So a few years ago, we took a group of students to Nicaragua. Um, I think there was probably about 50 of us. We built a couple of houses. For both houses, we, we actually dug wells, like legit wells. I'd never dug a well before, so we were excited. Um, but in Nicaragua, you don't have a backhoe. You don't have a tractor. You don't have any of those things. You have shovels and spades, and the ground in the dry season is a bit like concrete. So day one, Let's just say the guys were pretty excited because they got to do some manual labor. They got to take their shirts off. It's a good day, you know. So they're like, you know, they're digging. They're like, we're doing it in rotations. We're like, look, guys, it's hot out. We're going to do 10-minute rotations. So the first day, they're like digging 10 minutes. They're like, no, 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 I got this rotation. I'm good. Keep on digging. They're great. Day three, everybody's a little sore. It's kind of like, no, no, I'll let you come in and take your rotation. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm like, oh, I won't, I won't rob you of your chance to serve God. Come on in. I'm going to go sit in the shade. By day seven, everybody's out looking for mangoes. Like, no joke. They're like, ah, that digging stuff. My shoulders hurt. My abs hurt. I'm tired and sunburned. You guys, by day 20, I'm telling you to keep everyone focused. It was like herding cats because we just couldn't keep them. We couldn't keep them digging because we'd literally been digging for weeks. We had to dig the wells. We had to dig the footers for the houses. We had to dig the septic. I mean, we spent three weeks. There was someone digging all day long for three weeks. And it got really boring and really uncomfortable. So this is what I'm going to say. Walking with God is not boring or uncomfortable. It's amazing. But I will say that there are moments where you have to make a decision to do that which is not what you feel. There will be moments that it, it feels better to push the snooze button three more times. There will be moments where it feels better to turn on the TV. There will be moments that it's way easier to just go hang with your friends. And it's sometimes in those moments that the Holy Spirit is calling and saying, hey, are, would you be interested in digging? Would you be interested in coming and going a little deeper? And I believe tonight he's inviting you into that. He's inviting you into a relationship where you can go deeper, but he's not going to make you do it. And so you do see in, in the word contrasting stories and contrasting people of those who chose to dig when the time was right and those who waited. 
And my prayer for you guys is that every one of you would make a decision tonight that I'm going to be the type that starts digging. And so what does that look like? I want, let's go practical a little bit. What does it look like? Once you've made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, what does it look like to, to begin consistently digging that deep well? Um, the first thing I want to talk about is prayer. Each, honestly, each one of these could be a message. We could do the whole summer series on all these different things. So I'm just going to do a very quick hit on all these. Prayer is simply connecting with God in an intimate way, having a conversation. And most of you guys know that. But though we all know it, how many of us, if I looked, if I pulled up your Google Calendar today and someone actually filled it in, because most of us don't, let's be honest. Say someone filled in your calendar for the last week of every minute of what you actually were doing. Would there be any indication that prayer was actually a priority? That it was actually a value? Or would it just be that five-minute blip right before bed and right before meals that I kind of see in between everything else? For me, you guys, there's weeks that it's exactly that. And I believe then there are moments as I look back on a week or reflect or spend time and slow down and actually get in my journal that the Holy Spirit says, hey, where you been? We've got some digging to do. Are you, are you interested? Because he's, he's a gentleman. He's never going to force you. That's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. He, there's no legalism about him. He's, it's always an invitation. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an in, invitation to intimacy but it's going to take some deciding to do something that our emotions may not line up with. Because what you feed yourself, you will hunger for. Do you guys know that? What you put in is what you'll begin to hunger for. And at first, when you first start eating the broccoli, it doesn't taste so good. But when you consistently start eating greens, you know what? You start craving them. You, you see a commercial that's got like steak and asparagus, and you're like, oh, asparagus. And everyone's like, what? What's wrong with you? Did you see the steak? Did you miss the steak? There was, did I mention steak? Um, no, but seriously, like what you put in is what you'll hunger for. So if, if you're putting in just TV and movies and social media and all that stuff, not to say any of it's bad, you'll hunger for those. If it's been three weeks since you've cracked open a Bible and you're like, why well, don't I want to read the Bible? It's because you haven't been feeding yourself. You're not hungry for it because you haven't created an appetite for it. That takes a decision, an act of your will. God has given you a powerful free will. And he said, here's my Holy Spirit to empower you to live differently. But you still have to choose. So the next thing, besides prayer, it is the Word of God. You guys, the Word of God is living and active. You know that. But let me give you a couple tools that are going to blow your mind. Everyone needs to write this down. It's called Bible X. Most of you have never heard of this. Bible X. How many of you have heard of it? Raise your hand if you've heard of it. One. I'm here. Good. Two. Excellent. Um, Bible X is a, is a set of development that's completely free. Basically, LifeChurch.tv is, they are my heroes in a lot of ways. They're the ones that develop the Bible app. They're the ones that pretty much give away anything that can be given away. They are the most, some of the most generous people on the face of the planet. But they developed a program called Bible X for people who want to grow in God and learn God's word. And not just, hey, I'm going to crack open my Bible and randomly open to Jeremiah 27 and see what happens. Or I'm not going to open and randomly turn to uh, John 7 and just see what's in there. We're talking about if you want to grow if you want to understand God's word and learn how to apply it to your life and learn the context of what's actually going on, go to Bible X. 100% free. It will walk you through all of it. It's amazing. So if you're looking for an actual practical tool, start it. Go home tonight. Do the first lesson. It's amazing. It won't cost you a dime. Uh, the next thing is if, if you've never read the Bible cover to cover in a year, I would challenge you. Um, for years, I walked with God and had never done it, and I kind of wrote it off. I was like, 
I want to read what's applicable to me today. I don't want to read the Bible in a year. But about five or six years ago, I was praying about what, I don't remember what year it was, but I was praying towards the end of the year, Lord, what do you have for me in this next year? How do you want me to approach you as I move into the next year? And I felt like he asked me to read the Bible in a year. And I was like, fine, fine, I'll do it. And you guys, that year was one of the most fruitful years of my walk with God to date because there was more of God's word in me than ever before. There was a bigger picture context of my understanding of scripture than I'd ever had before. And you guys, it was amazing. I honestly wouldn't have, I was hesitant to do it. But since then, you guys, every other year, I've just created a rhythm where on the off year, I focus on some specifics, and on the other year, I read through the Bible in the year. So we've done it chronologically. We've done it cover to cover. I mean, it's just been a blast. So if you haven't done that, I would encourage you, find a plan, go to version. it's free again, and start it. It takes about 15 minutes a day, maybe 20, depending on how long it takes you to read. Uh, but it is one of the greatest gifts that I believe that you can be given is understanding the big picture of God's heart for you and the story that he's telling for mankind through his word. Um, and most of us have, have never done that. And I would just encourage you, it's a great place to start. Um, here's another one. You guys, we live in one of the most amazing times ever in terms of having access to some of the most incredible biblical teachers that the world has to offer for complete freedom. For nothing. Doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, so podcasts, if you don't subscribe to podcasts and listen to them from time to time, I would challenge you to. There's guys out there like Craig Rochelle at LifeChurch.tv. There's guys out there like Andy Stanley, North Point Church. There's guys out there like, um, I mean, who else? I mean, who do you listen to? Robert Morris, Gateway Church. Yeah, Clayton Barrett. Who else do you guys listen to, those of you guys that listen to podcasts? Matt Chandler. What, Judah Smith, yeah. Robert Madu. See, I mean, these are great. You guys, all of their content, everything they're teaching, it's free. It's available. Now, I'm not saying subscribe to every single one of them and try to listen to all of them, but find a couple that really, really you connect with well and listen to one or two a week. When you're driving in your car, instead of just throwing on the radio, put on a podcast. Most of these are 20 to 30 minutes long, and it will encourage you, will challenge you, and it will be one more way that you can continue to dig. You can continue to go deep, and you'll be thinking and meditating on the things of God rather than so many things that will try to distract and take away from what God's up to. Um, next thing is discipleship. This is one of the few things I'm going to mention that isn't something that you would do alone. Discipleship is ultimately the focus of the gospel. Like once you're saved, then Jesus said, hey, this is how you do this. This is what it looks like. And all that it is, is it's one person saying, I want to find somebody who needs to grow in God, and I'm going to help them do that. And then it's that same person saying, you know what? I'll bet I need help growing in God, and so I'm going to find someone who's farther along on the journey, and I'm going to ask them to help me grow in God. It's not complicated. It's not technical. It's simply people doing life together, spurring one another on, and growing in God. And so if you don't have someone right now that's challenging you, encouraging you, loving you well, but really holding you to a standard and encouraging you to grow in God, I would challenge you, please find someone this summer Find somebody. There's lots of people around who would love to be that for you. And if there's not someone that you're personally helping develop and personally pouring into, you guys, the best way to learn anything is to do what? To teach it. The best way to do anything is to teach it, is to begin pouring, is to begin to be a discipler. And you don't have to know everything to be a discipler, but it's a great place to start. Um, there's a couple others I'm going to hit. There's tons of books out there you can read. I could give you a hundred. Um, Here's another one, fasting and solitude. These are lost. 
Uh, Western culture, Western church has lost both fasting and solitude, but I would encourage you to consider it. Um, what it would take to disappear for a day and just spend a day with a, a Bible and a journal and a pen, um, set aside food and just listen. Most of us two hours in are going stir crazy and we're going through withdrawal from something, whether it be caffeine or television or social media or something. But I would encourage you to push through that, especially this summer. When you're in a slower pace, when you've got a rhythm, drive up to Pettigene Mountain and spend a day and just take a Bible, a journal, and a pen and see what happens. Because I believe so strongly that God is speaking to you all the time, but it's like we run around with, with the radio. With our, if, if any of you have ever used two-way radios, you have to let your finger off the button to hear what's going on, and then you have to push the button to speak. But we run around with our finger on the button going, why isn't God speaking? Why isn't God speaking? Because your finger's on the flipping button. Take your finger off the button, slow down, and listen. Because he wants to speak to you. You don't have to tweet the word flipping if you don't have to, but you can, I suppose. But I'm just saying. Um, you got to take your finger off the button to hear from God. Slow down. That's what fasting and solitude can do. Uh, next thing, Sabbath. Ooh. Uh. Oh. This one hurts. Um, I have a whole message. We're not going to do that one. But Sabbath is something that is not to be ignored. Um, I'm not going to go there tonight because it is a whole other message. Uh, worship personal, private worship, not just corporate worship, but moments of intimately worshiping, adoring, exalting, enthroning God on your own. Like moments in your car, moments in your apartment, moments on a run. Like some of those can be the sweetest moments in the world. And those are moments that will take you deep, that will, will, will just increase the depth of that well that you have with God. Um, and like I said before, you guys, I, this, is, this is my disclaimer. This isn't, a, this isn't me telling you to shut down everything, quit school, become a monk, stop serving at New Life Church, none of that. But what I'm saying is that we have to shift our priorities. We have to bring up an understanding that in your, eight, your teens, your 20s, your early 30s, this is the season to go deep with God so that you're ready for the things that God has called you to do. So we shouldn't be exhausted and spread thin now because we'll never be ready. I'm not saying there's not going to be moments of fatigue, but if we're so thin now that we're not growing, we're definitely not going to be ready when we're really called upon to have some reserves and some depth in our walk with God when the time comes. Because he wants to entrust you guys with so much more than you can dream. But if you're not ready, he won't give it to you because he knows, he knows it'll crush you. And so let's be ready. Let's do, the, let's do the time now. So here's two scriptures I want you to write down. One of them is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It says this. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. You guys, that is my prayer for every one of you tonight. That circumstances don't dictate the way that your life produces fruit. The circumstances don't dictate your joy. The circumstances don't dictate the way that you experience life. Circumstances are just that, circumstances. But that all of who you are is rooted and established in the things of God to such a level that ultimately they don't have to phase you. They don't have to knock you off track. They don't have to adjust every part of the way you live. The next one's Psalm 92, 12 through 14. And this is gonna support why it's so important to remain planted in the local church. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. 
That's why it's so important that, number one, you're planted in God. Number two, you're planted in the local church. Amir, how much time do I have, good sir? Should I be done by now? Because I have lots more things to say. And I don't want to take their discussion time. Five minutes. Cool. Okay. Um, I think I can get both in. We're good. Uh, how many of you guys have heard of compound interest? How many of you would honestly say you don't really understand compound interest? Okay, I appreciate the honesty. So compound interest is the idea of small incremental changes, basically, adding up until they make a big difference in the end. What I want you guys to approach your walk with God this summer is like compound interest. So if you make small little changes over the course of time, the first X amount of time, you probably won't even notice the difference. Just little 1% incremental changes. Because when you start with one and then you go to two, doesn't seem like much. Two to four still doesn't seem like much. Four to eight seems like a little more, eight to 16. But as things compound, as they develop, as they grow, pretty soon you start to see some measurable change. And then you see the explosion at the end. You're like, oh my gosh, it's an overnight sensation. It's an overnight success. And the reality is it's not. It's small decisions, small changes in posture, small pursuits, moments with God over the course of years that eventually you then get to see the results in as that compound interest, as that compounding effect of walking with God grows. But did you know that the same is true on the other side? Amir and I were just talking about this today. Little compromises, little decisions, little things that you don't think anyone will notice, little moments of just not doing the right thing, small lies, ignoring those convictions. Over time, those 1% changes do the same thing, and then all of a sudden, someone's life comes crashing down, and everyone's like, what happened? On the surface, you couldn't tell either way. But once again, we get so focused on the surface but what's happening here is what's far more important. And so may we be those that are making the small 1% changes in terms of growing deep in God, and we're living the convictions that we're called to live. Last story, and I'm not going to tell a lot with this. I'm going to let you guys write it down. Um, write down 1 Kings 19 and 2 Kings 2. I'm not going to tell the whole story. I want you guys to spend some time, though, at some point in the next couple of days, Take time and study the story of Elijah and Elisha. Not the whole story, not everything they did, but just the time that they had together. Um, you guys, the, the thing that I want to point out is this. There's a point where Elijah says to Elisha, go, I want you to take off. Essentially saying, go do ministry. And Elisha says, no way. Elisha's the protege, Elijah's the mentor. I know it's kind of confusing when their names sound exactly the same. Um, but... Guy with the J, he's the mentor. Guy with the S, he's the protege. He says, go, you're ready, essentially. Elisha says, no way. He says, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to learn from you, and I'm going to get everything out of basically what you can do for God. I'm going to learn all of it. Three times, basically, Elijah goes, hey, you're ready, go. Elisha says, I'm not leaving. And he was relentless, you guys. He was relentless about his development. He was relentless about his growth. He was relentless about learning from the man of God. 
And what happened at event is eventually Elijah says, hey, well, what do you want then? Because I'm, I'm basically about to peace out. I'm basically about to go to heaven in a chariot of fire. Elijah says, I want, Elijah says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah says, that's a hard thing to ask. But he said, if you're with me when the time comes that I go hang with God, you'll have it. And so he was relentless. He stayed with him. He stayed close. He continued to learn from him. When the time came that God came and got Elijah, Elisha basically picked up his cloak and did literally, you can count them, go through the word of God, double, double the miracles that happened in the life of Elijah. And Elijah was a pretty bad dude. Why? I believe it's because he was relentless in his youth, in his young training season, to get all that he could to go deep. He learned from the people he needed to learn from. He spent the time seeking God. He spent the time laying the foundation so that when the time come, came that he was then entrusted with the mantle, he was ready to carry it. And God could use him to do incredible works. So this summer, my challenge, pick at least two of those. Pick one of them that, um, that maybe you're comfortable with and then one that maybe you've never even considered. So maybe you choose, don't try to tackle all of these. So maybe you choose, hey, I'm going to start Bible X, or I'm going to start the one-year Bible. I'm going to start reading the Bible every day a little bit because I'm comfortable with that. I've read the Bible before. But maybe you choose fasting and solitude, and you say, hey, once every other week, I'm going to take a five-hour chunk, and I'm just going to disappear. I'm going to go to a park, or I'm going to go to a wherever, and I'm just going to get time alone with God. And I'm going to try it, and I'm going to push through the uncomfortableness, and I'm going to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What do you have for me in this season? And then you're going to sit with an open journal and write down what God's speaking. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But I would encourage you, find one or two of these this summer and pick up your shovel and start digging because I believe that God has so much in store for you and he wants to meet you in these moments. Um, and I believe the fruit of you putting your roots deep now, you may not see it for a year, you may not see it for five years, but I believe the fruit for the kingdom of God will be incredible when the time comes that you're tested and that, and that you're, you need to draw upon that foundation. It's going to be a good thing. So.